It's a real bad problem now because you have no idea what Baffert is putting in the bodies of these horses that are coming over for the Breeders' Cup. And uh, I mean, I, that's going to probably be the determining factor on these horses. So to me, any race he's in, it's a real challenge at this point. There were these two racing dudes named Aaron and Jared Who had to buy some racing and they wanted to share it Started a website where players go to see all their picks The goal was make the fans some money and to cut down the risk They put the plan into motion and at first it seemed silly Make a website where the expert picks are freer than Willie From a racetrack veteran to just a beginner There's one place that you want to go to find you a winner As a matter of fact, I want to hit the exacta There's only one site that you'll keep coming back to So next time that the horses all line up at the post Make sure you use the website that'll win you the most. Whether Churchill, Oakland, Goldstream Parks, and Matoga, and all tracks in between, there's only one side to go to. When it comes to your racing needs and all of your bets, plus it's got a catchy name that no one ever forgets. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets, racingdudes.com, as good as it gets. What is up? I am Magic. He is Aaron Halterman, and he is Jared Welch. Welcome to a special Breeders' Cup pre-entries edition of Blinkers Off. Gentlemen, how are we today? We're taking, you're taking over today, Magic, right? <laughs> this feels weird, uh, doing the, you know, letting the Blinkers Off kick off and not, you know, being the opening. I, I kind of like this gig. This is nice. Yeah! We're going to the Breeders' Cup! We're uh, we're coming at you guys with the uh, pre-entries instant reaction. We're uh, got a lot of horses here to talk about. Uh, some surprising names, some names going to races that we didn't expect to be their second preference or first preference. Uh, a lot to get into, but uh, I'm excited about it. I know you guys are as well. Aaron, you're rocking the Cleveland Browns jersey, so uh, hopefully your opinions will be better than your taste in football teams. <laughs> well, listen, I've got two NFL teams, and they're both five and two, and it's probably the first time in years either one of them have been five and two. Uh, so I feel I feel great about the NFL season. I mean, this is this is fun, right? I this is, I've been a lifelong Browns fan for the last three years, and so <laughs> uh, it's been rough uh, the last couple, but not as rough as it used to be. And definitely this year, it's it's been fun. Yeah, I can't can't quite replicate Jared's uh, Chiefs success so far, but uh, you can always dream about it, right? <laughs> That's right. No, <laughs> no, uh, the Chiefs have had a long history of losing as well, so he's he definitely can enjoy. Uh, what's happening now with him that's the thing i get so it's so funny when people like you know give me shit because it's like i don't even feel bad you don't even understand the shit i've been through with this team like i mean we've seen it all and we finally are good and so i'm gonna freaking enjoy it (laughs) (laughs) as you should as you should well we have a lot of horses a lot of races to talk about gentlemen Let's get right into things. I'm going to kick things off here. We're going to look first at the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint Race. Uh, 24 total pre-entries here. Eight of them have made this their second preference. Both of those numbers are the most of any single race we're going to talk about. Wesley Ward is the defending championship trainer. He has 10 pre-entries, including five as a second preference. Three Europeans coming over for European-based trainers. Wesley Ward also has Campanelle, who's been racing overseas, coming in here. Both prior editions were one gate to wire, including last year with gold. Uh, I'm sorry, last year with four wheel drive. And now Wesley Ward <laughs> has golden pal among his many entries here. Uh, Aaron, first, your thoughts, please. Well, I think when this race was formed a couple of years ago, Wesley Ward was the first trainer that popped in everybody's mind because this just fits what he does to a T. 
you look at his two-year-olds at Royal Ascot and, and you know, the success he's had there, the success with two-year-olds in general uh, on the turf. It's just, this is his specialty and he, he won it last year. Uh, so, and he's got the heavy, heavy favorite again and a, and a horse that'll just be really tough to beat in Golden Pal. Uh, you know, I just mentioned Ascot. Well, this horse almost broke his maiden in a stakes race at Ascot, uh, just barely got nipped, and then comes back to Saratoga and dominates last time out. He's obviously the one to look at. Um, you know, early speed has won this race the, the, the first two years, and, you know, with Golden Pal, I think it's there's a good shot it's going to happen again. Yeah, I uh, you know I you know I I'm gonna reference the uh, the trends a lot you know the the 14 trends that we just pushed pushed out earlier this week go check it out it's for, you can download it for free at the racingdudes.com on the products page but you know that like you said we're you know we this is a very uh, this, this race has only been, happened twice in both years we went saw gate to wire winners bulletin and four wheel drive uh, both went gate to wire they both took a lot of money. Uh, they're both based in the United States. Uh, I feel like Golden Powell, there's a lot of things that set up perfectly for this horse in this position. Uh, and then I think you, sometimes you kind of have a mix there with the international flavor because he has ran internationally. So um, I think he's going to be awful tough. And, you know, the trends, the way that this race has gone in the past certainly look to fit him pretty well. These juvenile turf races in general have, they're going to all be overdrawn. And I think that's a trend that we've, at least in my few years of following racing, that we've seen quite a bit because you have so many European horses coming over. And even this year, when we've had COVID, that, you know, it screwed up everybody's racing schedules. We're not seeing as many European horses coming in as usual, but still 24 total pre entries and, and 16 of those made this their first preference. Some people's hearts are going to get broken. It's just a matter of trying to figure out which ones those are going to be. And, and we'll probably find those out early next week. You know, one thing I will say that's kind of interesting, when they, when they first formed this race, I thought, man, we're going to see some long shots. And Jared just mentioned it, and you can read about it on the trends, favorites uh, the first two times. And really, guys, last year, uh, four-wheel drive, that seemed like a lock, right? Like, I don't think anybody was surprised that he won. Uh, Bulletin the first year at Churchill Downs, a favorite, but, you know, you could have went a lot of different ways. I, 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 I'm I, not saying it was a surprise that he won. Uh, I picked him, as a matter of fact, but still, you know, very lukewarm favorite where four-wheel drive was a big, big-time favorite, and I think we're going to get it again with Golden Pal. So how interesting would it be with this race if we get three straight favorites to open off kind of the, the three years that it's been running at the Breeders' Cup? It reminds me a little bit of last year in the sense that Wesley Ward had Kamari, a, a really top Philly turf sprinter, going up against four-wheel drive. And you're seeing this year, uh, you know, Campanella, her, this is her second preference behind the juvenile Phillies turf. But you have Amanzi Impila, who won the Speakeasy at Santa Anita. She's coming in here. So uh, a good mixture of girls and boys usually in these races. Do either one of you really care that much at this point? If it's the girls versus the boys, or, or do you just look at who's the best horse this early in their career and go there? I think sometimes it's e almost easier. I mean, I don't want to like it, they are these hard. The juvenile races are very tough, but sometimes it does make it a little easier for you whenever you, because the juveniles are, you, you can kind of start to tell the ones that are really kind of maturing earlier than the rest, and you can kind of get a good vibe and a good feel for, for some of these horses. It's like 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 four wheel drive. You're just like that horse is just better. You know, you can just look at that and be like that horse is better. You look at a horse like Golden Pal, and it's like that horse just seems to be standing out. Um, and so sometimes when that you look at these juvenile races and we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit with the, with the actual juvenile, um, they, these horses, 
these two-year-olds, you know, when it gets later in the game, when they turn to, th- you know, turn three and, of course, into the Kentucky Derby trail for those, it gets a little more cloudy because then they start to develop late and whatnot. But early on, I feel like when you have a standout, it's a little bit easier to, to kind of see that. Yeah, b- boys, girls, doesn't really matter. I think maturity is what matters in these races, as Jared pointed out. Uh, if there was a really, really good two-year-old filly in this race, sure. I mean, I, I don't think you, you should let that bother you whatsoever. Um, yeah, yeah, but these two-year-olds, and, and even maybe less so in, in the races around two turns, uh, you know, where there's a little bit deeper of a field as far as quality uh, is concerned. But, you know, in a race like this, it, it's it's who's matured and who's who's coming into the race, just, just looking to be – kind of that eighth grader that's ahead of everybody else at this time. Yeah. We, we have several divisions uh, on the Breeders' Cup slate over the weekend that are going to have the girls and the boys. That This is the only one on Future Stars Friday. Uh, we'll continue talking about the boys. We'll look at the juvenile turf presented by Coolmore America. 23 total pre-entries in this race. Just two have this as their second preference. Seven Europeans are expected to come over, including Aiden O'Brien's Battleground. You also have the Royal Ascot winner, the Learjet. And Jared, you and I are on the same page here. We're both going to reference the trends because the Europeans – Love this race, don't they? Yeah, they, they have. Uh, with this race, it's it's kind of funny uh, with the juvenile turf. It's like how, uh, you know, it's not been run a ton of times, but in the 10 times, it's hit, uh, 13 total, 10 times that the, the European-based forces have dominated. That's 77% clip. That's about as high as you're going to get when it comes to these Breeders' Cup turf races. So to me, you feel like if you you kind of tend to focus on the euros coming in i i I think you you can't if it's if it happens two out of three or three out of you know five or something but when you're talking 13 10 plus races and they've won 10 of the 13 seems like it's uh it's trending that way now i will say this americans have won this race twice in the last four years uh structure and oscar performance so i mean maybe it's trending a little bit more uh but you know with with structure like I think you have to find if the way that you can kind of feel a little bit better about picking an American horse. I think you need to feel confident that I mean, it's not going to it's going to take more than an average horse, I guess, let's say American average horse to to beat these zeros. So there's two factors I'm going to use for this race. And, and the first thing is Jared just hit on it. Is there an American horse that's that's really good? Uh, and I'm I'm very iffy that there is, but. I think a huge factor you're going to have to take into this Breeders' Cup, especially with the juveniles coming in from overseas, what exactly are we getting in a year of COVID where everything has been bottled up, messed up? You really got to do your homework on these Europeans this year and really dig in and decide, are we getting the types that usually come over here for this race? I'm skeptical that we are. This this race, I was very excited about to see the pre-entries. And to be completely honest, as soon as this show is over, I'm diving in to these European horses. I know the American horses that are here. I've seen them. I've handicapped them. I've you know watched them run. These, these Europeans, I haven't. So that is going to be a big uh, job of all of ours that are handicapping. Let's dive through the European horses and let's make sure that we're not just picking one because of the trend. Because when trends seem to get kind of broken is when other things, other factors come into play that screw everything up of what the usual is. This has been far from the usual. Now, tomorrow, when I've done all my research, I might be able to come back and say, hey, you know what? 
I found a couple that are really good. And, and those that 10 for 13 is going to look a hell of a lot better. So that's the big key here. We're going to dive into these Europeans and we're going to try to find uh, find out if, if they're any good or not, frankly. I know, Aaron, you're uh, over at racingnews.com right now. You're doing weekly early Breeders' Cup picks. And before knowing the Europeans for sure who was coming over, you had Muta Sabek by Todd Pletcher as your pick for this race. I think he does look as strong as any of the Americans we have here. But I would be curious to see, once you dive into the Europeans, if you still hold the belief that this is the best horse. Uh, Jared, are there any Americans that stand out to you? That, to me, is the one. Like, that's, I, you know, Halter and I talked a lot about that horse, uh, whenever he made that turf switch and uh, man, he looked awesome. And so, yeah, I think from the, from an American standpoint, that's, you know, I think Gretzky, the great is kind of showed maybe not that great at, at times. Uh, to me, I'm looking more at the, uh, at the Pletcher horse if I'm betting American, but I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going through this race look like sticking with the trends and, you know, I'm going to try to like Haltzman said a little bit, like I'm, First, looking at Battleground, and then I'm looking at Learjet, and I'm looking. I'm, I'm finding my European horse, and if I if I go through those and I can't find the one that really stands out to me as far as feeling confident, then that's where I will land on most likely the Pletcher uh, uh, runner here. Aaron, what about you? Is Mutasabek still looking like the best American chance right now? Yeah, I think so. Um, I I think it's very important, especially again with juveniles, that you have that win over the track there at Keeneland. And I thought that was very important. Um, Also, you know, sometimes when these, when these horses debut and you watch them, it's just like, yeah, I love that horse. And I I loved him from the very start at Saratoga. You know, I text you guys as soon as that race was over, I said, that's a really, really nice horse. Now, little did I know turf was going to be the future, uh, at least the immediate future. Uh, you know, I kind of was looking at a juvenile horse, a regular juvenile on the dirt horse and here on the turf. But I love the race uh, at Keeneland and the Bourbon. I thought he was fantastic. And and yeah, I think he is. I, I, listen, I think Gretzky is a pretty nice horse, too. But I, I'm kind of with Jared with the fact that I don't know if he's this level and I don't know that he's been tested to this level yet. Um, but yeah, again, got to look through the Europeans and, and make that decision. And that'll be one of the bigger decisions on this Friday card is going to come in this race. You know, it's, uh, you know, kind of looking at this uh, race as far as the Euros go. And while the trends do gear towards the the Euros, you know, you look at like last year, you remember Arizona was, was a very uh, highly talked about Euro coming over and did not run great. Uh, I think finished fourth or fifth uh, line of duty won it two years ago, but that was not the favorite of that race. You know, um, that was the kind of like this other year. Anthony Van Dyke um, was the favorite that year. And so, you know, I think you have to, uh, Mendelssohn was a favorite, but it was a, a soft favorite that year whenever uh, he won. But, you know, I think you, whenever you're looking at these euros, don't be afraid to not pick the favorite. We'll talk about the juvenile Phillies next. This is a race where it's going to be a little hard to play against the favorite just because there are only eight horses for even pre-entered in this one. They all made this their first preference, so we're expecting as long as they all stay healthy, they will show up here. But this is the smallest of the 14 Breeders' Cup races as far as pre-entries go. And Jared, from the 14 trends, favorites have won just one of the last eight races, three of the last 11. The Songbird was the last to do it in 2015. Songbird having a stakes named after her on the undercard on Friday, which is wonderful. 
Right now overseas, Princess Nora for Bob Baffert is trading as the 7-5 to five big favorite here. Uh, Kenny McPeak's got two coming in that were the first and second place finishers in the Alcibiades Stakes. Thoughtfully from Steve Asmussen, also going to try and show up here. Jared, I'll go to you first. This is a small field, so it's a little harder to find value here. Looking at the pre-entries, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely interesting. And of course, you know, let's not be ignorant to what's going on i mean i think the bob baffert kind of scenario is going to be interesting as we get closer to the to the actual uh you know two days of the breeders cup and, and kind of how people are going to perceive the horses that he has in these races and you know do you trust them and what that betting wise is going to look like i'm assuming you know he's allowed to run his horses uh but i honestly you know i i think we have an opportunity now listen we talked a little bit about this with john uh, on on blinkers off last week of you know i princess noor is is interesting and kind of gives you a, a, a reason to play against considering the the record that these favorites have in this race plus the fact that these buyers have been so incredibly low for her and i think it gives you now she could be a freak and she could go out and win and then you could be like well you know she's just really good but i think you have an opportunity here to I mean, because there's some good ones in here crazy beautiful day of, day of the office uh, uh simply ravishing uh Bayquist uh you know thoughtfully for Aspison, there's some horses in here that aren't bad that if you know they could upset her for sure so i think it's one of those that you know oh it's a small field but i could see a, a handful of these horses winning so yeah i've been waiting to talk about this all day i've almost just been bursting i haven't replied much to the big racing news text chain talking about Baffert. because i just wanted to save it for the show and well, I just want to say something before I talk about the race here. Poor Bob. I mean, he's guys just so unlucky, right? I mean, he's just the most unlucky person of all time. <laughs> you think about accidentally having all these positives in all these states. I mean, California and Kentucky and Arkansas. The guy, I mean, has there ever been a more unlucky person than Bob Baffert? I mean, <laughs> poor, poor, poor groom who supposedly was working during COVID that's safe to begin with I'm glad <laughs> making sure that uh, his work is safe and not spreading COVID around it's not like there's a pandemic in the country right now but uh, anyway so he, he, he shows up to work and the guy takes some cough syrup and now now we have positive tests I mean it's just awful I just feel terrible for Bob so mm. anyway it's a real bad problem now because you have no idea what Baffert is putting in the bodies of these horses that are coming over for the Breeders' Cup. And uh, I mean, I, that's going to probably be the determining factor on his horses. So it, to me, any race he's in, is a real challenge at this point. Um, I've got to take Princess Noor for face value right now at this time. Unbelievable workout at Santa Anita. Uh, I, I think the horse is capable of running faster numbers than uh, what we've seen. So I think that's a good thing. And you know, I've kind of come full circle with her. I know Magic, you you thought this was going to be the Breeders' Cup Juvenile winner or Juvenile Phillies winner as soon as you saw her, and it, maybe even before after the at the hype you got. And usually, a Bob Baffert hype horse doesn't you know doesn't falter. So I'm kind of almost leaning towards her now. Um, but listen, I think this race you got to go deep. There's only eight horses in it, but uh, I like Jared. I'll echo your thoughts a little bit. I think there's five, six, seven, they could even win. I mean, you may, you may go all here if you can find a single somewhere else, which hopefully we yeah. can. I think you're going to want a lot because – Well, you'll, you'll be able to single uh, – and I, let me pull up the race order here. But I think you should be able to single the in the juvenile, right? So 
so then if you can if you can single in the juvenile let's put it that way then all of a sudden you're looking at because the race order here is yeah you have the juvenile fillies uh the juvenile fillies turf and then the juvenile is the last three races so if you can go deep in the fillies uh, the Phillies turf we talked about, and then the uh, if you single the you almost have to you have to kind of lean right. Either you're kind of leaning heavy on Princess Newer, and you're gonna try to beat the favorite in, in the juvenile, or vice versa. You know, because I feel like you, it's hard to go deep in all those. Plus, have to deal with the the Phillies turf. Yeah, I think I think that it's going to come down to I think going all is great because I actually think that Princess Secret, who nobody's even talking about, uh, Florida bred, who was, was win, won the last two legs of the Florida bred juvenile triple crown series. I think she's got a strong chance. And, and this is a race where you, sometimes you have horses like Caledonia Road, another Florida bred uh, that come in and they surprise at a price. And then you oftentimes the winner of this race, you don't see them that much longer. So uh, we'll see what happens with this race. Not much more to take apart. We'll move on to the Juvenile Phillies turf race for this one. Uh, much bigger field than what we had for the last one, boys. We have 19 total pre-entries. Two of them made this as their second preference. Ironically, both of those second preference horses, they're the Kenny McPeak runners we just talked about in the last race. Uh, you have five Europeans, Aiden O'Brien bringing Snowfall and Mother Earth over. Uh, Roger Varian also has Nazuna, who's getting a lot of uh, steam. I think my favorite named horse of the entire weekend is Jessica Harrington's horse, Udnadara. Uh, I can't wait until this horse wins. And then on the Magic Mike show, I can have Mike Samich spend five minutes trying to figure out how to pronounce her name. Uh, Aaron, the Americans have won 10 of the last 12 runnings here. So all those heroes I just named, you can probably just chuck them, right? Yeah. So a couple of things just real quick. Uh, you talked about Princess Secret. Uh, the oh, first I'm sorry. Breeders, the, oh, no, it's fine. The first Breeders' Cup that Jared and I attended in a Florida bred by the name of Awesome Feather won the Juvenile <laughs> Phillies. Uh, that was in 2010, the year Zenyatta lost to Blaine. And uh, the horse came in, uh, was running just in Florida on a, on a five-race win streak, uh, went up there in that juvenile and won to juvenile Phillies. So that was uh, very impressive. Awesome feather. I'll never forget that. So to go on to this race, though, you're right. And it's very strange how the trend is the exact opposite <laughs> for the Philly turf. I've, I've never really understood it. Uh, one theory I've always kind of had is, Chad Brown is just really good, and he, he's won a lot of these with with horses. Um, but you know, I'm I'm really liking Aunt Pearl. Uh, you talk about a race where I think you can go short. This might be the one. I think this Brad Cox train Philly is really really good, and I think Brad Cox is getting ready to have a massive Breeders' Cup, and this might be the one that kicks it off for him. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit more in the juvenile uh, coming up, but I really love Aunt Pearl for Brad Cox here. Yep. I mean, like you say, this is one of those kind of rare occurrences in the Breeders' Cup that uh, Americans dominate the turf race. And uh, 10 of the last 12, it just seems like one of those races that uh, for whatever reason, that, you know, it, that uh, the juveniles uh, have fared better that are based out of the United States. And, it's hard to fault Aunt Pearl for anything. I mean, Aunt Pearl has looked really freaking good. Um, and I think she might be one of the kind of, I don't want to say safer bets, because what is safe in the Juvenile Series uh, on Friday? But she she might be awful tough to beat. I mean, she obviously won last time out at Keeneland as well. So, um, you know, lots to like here uh, for Brad Cox. And like you say, I mean, just you talk about a dude that's had a hell of a year already. But, I mean, this could be a huge Breeders' Cup for him because he's got several runners. 
Well, the, Brad Cox reminds me of one of those trainers that uh, I first heard our friend Ryan Stillman say this phrase that there are people who uh, just put horses into races and then there are horsemen who actually aim for things. And Brad Cox seems to fire his best shots at the biggest races. You can think about Preakness weekend, Kentucky Derby weekend, Brad Cox horses that just seem to come out in full force and run really strongly. Uh, the, an interesting thing about Aunt Pearl, she's not a horse that has to be on the front end. You saw how she won the Jessamine, but... It was just a matter of Florent Giroux said when she broke out, she just went right there and he didn't fight her. And I think that's a big key as well, that this horse has got the tactical speed that if you see someone like a Campanelle who is used to sprinting, if they run off, Aunt Pearl can be right behind and try and pounce. So um, were there any other, I know you guys both love Aunt Pearl. Were there any other Americans or Euros that might've caught your eye here? Yeah. The thing about it is for me, and I, I definitely am going to go back through these hard, but as far as American horses go, I just like Aunt Pearl so much that I just haven't wavered off of her. There are a couple for sure, but I just really like her. As far as Europeans, and again, uh, I'll have to. That's the thing. That's going to be a big job. Just like the juvenile turf, that's going to be a big job to, to research those and, and, and get them ready and, and make that final decision. I would say the big difference is the trends obviously go, go towards American win in this race. That's definitely one. And number two, uh, I think Aunt Pearl is a superstar type. I don't think we have a superstar type on the male side of things. So it's going to take a, uh, if I'm going to pick a European, it's going to take a very impressive one. Jared, any other horses that caught your eye initially? You know, I, I think I'm a little bit on the fence with uh, Alda. You know, I, I think this horse def definitely didn't run awful last time out getting beat by Lady, Lady Spikespear. Um Definitely made a late rally, you know, grand motion. You could see this horse making a run late in this race. At maybe with a little bit of a price, you know, this horse was pretty uh, well thought of prior to that going into that one. Of course, running at uh, Belmont and then the last two, you know, at Woodbine and of course getting second in a grade one at Natalma. Um, nothing terrible there going a mile on the turf like we'll see here. So I think Alda has a shot as far as a, a little bit bigger price, you know, especially considering that Pearl will be heavily bet. But uh, it's going to be hard. You know, we talked about how you got to find singles and and going thin here with with Aunt Pearl. It makes it. I mean, that's tough not to do, really. Well, we'll talk about a race that I know Aaron thinks could be a, a deadlock with a single. We'll look at the TVG Juvenile presented by the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. 15 total pre-entries, all with this as their first preference. Uh, a couple things caught my eyes, guys. Bob Baffert and Kenny McPeak, they're both wheeling back very recent winners here. Uh, Bob Baffert nominating Classier after he just broke his maiden on debut very nicely at Santa Anita. Kenny McPeak had the Stars of Tomorrow one-card winners Camp Hope and Maiden Special Weight, and King Fury, who won the Street Sense Stakes. They're both pre-entered as well here. Aaron, the horse that you love is going to be the favorite as long as he makes the gate, but only two of the last nine winners were favored. It was game winner in Shanghai Bobby, although the last five winners did go on in the Kentucky Derby. So talk about your big top pick here in the Juvenile. Yeah, it's, it's very scary to go short here for sure, but I just think Jackie's Warrior has shown – he is a tremendous racehorse. And he, he talked about maturity levels. I think he is just a, more advanced at this stage than anything else I've seen. Uh, a, a horse that, and I'll credit John White, if you haven't listened to the podcast last week, John, I, I kind of mentioned, hey, I think Jackie's Warrior's a lock. And he just kind of laughed and said, that's not going to be my top pick. Uh, he likes his <laughs> quality for Brad Cox. And, you know, 
John kind of talked me into it a little bit. I think this is the worst map to play, which is kind of why I, I alluded to the fact that maybe I got to go a little shorter in that juvenile Phillies turf because I got to throw in the central quality for Brad Cox, who hasn't never done anything wrong and won uh, won the uh, the Breeders' uh, Futurity here at Keeneland over this track, which, which I said earlier is a very big uh, factor. So, yeah, I mean, I think those are the big two for me at this point. Um, yeah, tough luck, Bob, with classier. I mean, <laughs> who, you know, a maiden, they really, they, they don't do well off just a maiden special weight win and then right into the to the Breeders' Cup. But, you know, tough luck, Bob, can do it sometimes. You know, he can break trends that seem impossible to break, like winning the Kentucky Derby with a horse that didn't start as a two-year-old. Um, so he's just naturally a very good trainer. So that's one. <laughs> well, oh, man. before listening to John White, essential quality was actually my top pick here. So I felt very, nice. very happy to hear that. Uh, Jared, did you agree on essential quality or are you still sticking with Jackie's? Well, no, listen, I, that whenever essential quality won that race, uh, I thought, wow, that, cause you know, one, you know, when a good looking horse goes and does what he did that day, you're like, it kind of gets you. Okay. That horse might be pretty decent. Um, and so since that race, I thought that horse was a, a possible play here. Jackie's Warriors just looked too good. But then when John mentioned as well, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm like, Halter, I'm like I'm going to have to play more than just Jackie because I'm not going to get beat by essential quality. Um, I, I think those are the two for me as well. But I, it's hard to, you know, when <laughs> when he's got I mean, it's I, 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 there's no way any, like any other trainer, if that, if class year's in this race, you're like, whatever, but you could totally see class year winning this race because now I will ask you guys this. And I think this is a, kind of like a kind of devil's advocate question. And we'll talk more Baffert horses for Saturday, but do you think like, is there a, 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 a situation that you could just fade all Baffert's both days? Like, you know, because of this going on, like if let's say he is, let's say he is, using some some help he just completely doesn't do any of it all these horses back off of their you know previous performances and you know their fate against all you know both two days so our boys at real dynasty did a poll on twitter asking what are you going to do with the baffert horses uh going into the breeders cup and as of right now uh 35 answered use them all 33 percent answered use some of them 17% said toss them all, and 15% said don't play the race at all if he's got a horse in it. So I thought the, that's kind of an interesting uh, take on – I mean, it's a very small sample size, but still, these, these are hardcore racing fans that are probably voting in that. So, And, and they're, they're fans that will vote that, – that will bet the Breeders' Cup. So it's a decent sample, and, and you're right. You, you have the opportunity – to toss them all or play them all. And that's kind of, I really, in all honesty, that's probably the only two answers that are good because when you get in the situation of I'll play some and not other, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work. I think you're going to have to make the, the, the tough decision of I'm going to add my bank or, or build up my bankroll just a little bit more so I can play them all or just toss them. Yeah, I answered. I voted in that, and I said use some because in my mind, none of these these recent positive tests for for hard luck Bob have swayed me. If I liked a horse going into it, I'm gonna like the horse now. Uh, I agreed with John Gunther, who bred Justify, when he said you just look at the PPs and you try and figure it out off of that. That's all you can do, and it sucks that sometimes that's the position we're still in in 2020. But I don't know. It didn't sway me. Jared, what about you? 
Yeah, I mean, personally, like I'm not gonna, you know, to me, it's a, it's, it's only positive, uh, just like Bob Baffert's test. Um, that you know, it's, uh, you know, if, 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 if Classer's in this race, he's got a very good chance to win. I'll just leave it at that. That's a good way to move on to Saturday's races. We're starting things off looking at the Philly and Mare Sprint. 11 total pre-entries for this one. Franks Rockette is the only one who made this a second preference because she's aiming for the sprint to face the boys. We'll get to that race in a little bit. Uh, with this race, there have been zero gate-to-wire winners in the 13 runnings. Favorites have only won three of those. And guess who the top two favorites are? The front-running Gamine at 2-1 to one from Bob Baffert and Serengeti Empress at 9-2. to two. Uh, this, this seems like the great spot to play horses that love to come from off the pace. It seems like that's where all the three of us are all locked up on there. Aaron, who's your pick right now? Yeah. And again, you got another, you got another tough luck, Bob horse and really tough luck. I too. my goodness, two accidental tests for her. I mean, that is just terrible, but anyway, <laughs> see it. Um, hey, don't blame the horse. All right. Well, no, I, I, I'm not blaming anybody. I just think these accidents are just horrible for the game. <laughs> uh, with Gamine and Serengeti Empress both entered in the race, wow. I mean, how can this pace not fall apart is how you look at it. Um, yeah, I, I, it's really quite unbelievable, the, the stat that you read there about front runners not winning this race. Uh, and I can remember when Unique Bella was entered in, uh, in the uh, – when was that? That was at Del Mar, 2017, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody thought, well, that's a, this is a lock of the Breeders' Cup. <laughs> and that horse quit so fast. It was unbelievable. Just shocking. Uh, yeah, uh, Bell's the one is the horse I have on top right now. And, and just because of the pace uh, scenario we talked about. And, and we saw it last time out at Churchill Downs, right? Serengeti blazed and Bell's the one comes up and nips her at the wire. If you think we're going to have even more pace here, then that's a horse that really looks good at this moment. So Bell's the one. Uh, I'm really interested in a, a big long shot. Sally's Curlin. That's another horse that comes from way out of it. I think seven furlongs, definitely. Sally's Curlin is going to like, going to be a big price. Let's try to blow up the tote board with this one. It's early on on the Saturday card. So, you know, let's try to have a little fun with this race. Uh, that's, that's the approach I'm taking with it. Jared, you and I have been in the same boat where if we don't play Serengeti Empress in a multi-race wager, that's when we get beat. Uh, so even though you know the stats as well as anyone because you compiled them for us, are you going to use Serengeti Empress just defensively in your pick fours? I mean, it, it, here's the thing. if I, I'll let everyone know because it'll be on the wagering guide. If I'm using this horse in my multis, then that's a good indication for everyone else just to throw her out. Because if I use her, she won't win. Um, I think you have to. I mean, as you, I know it's one of your favorite, you know, type of horses as well, uh, Magic. But it, you know, she's my, one of my favorite horses running right now, just because I love the way she just throws it down every single time. Listen, I hope that I hope that Bob Baffert and his horses are, are able to run for this race, pure and simple. I want to see Gamine and Serengeti Empress light the track on fire on Saturday. I mean, that to me. Not just that. I mean, you got Venetian Harbor, who's quick, who's coming out of a, a race. I mean, she's obviously not that level, but there's a lot of speed. Uh, Frank Charquette has got speed. I mean, this this race in itself is so intriguing uh, from a standpoint. And then you also have to think everyone likes Bell's the one right now because of the last time. Plus, you know, compounding the fact that we're going to see another crazy intense speed uh, situation. And, and I'm afraid that I mean, I don't want to play Bell's the one at a low price. Like I, I think she's so 
there's a situation where you could see Gamine sit off because I didn't. I mean, if there's one horse that's going to go, it's Serengeti Empress. Like, there's no doubt in your mind, she's going. Like, we know from her past, if she's winning a race, she's going to the lead. So I think Gamine's situation, she has to sit off of it a little bit. And so if she's, I mean, I think she might be a little bit of a value here if everyone kind of goes against her, considering everything that's going on uh from the bob baffert standpoint plus the fact that everyone's going to assume that the speed is going to just completely melt down I, i'll say this i think one of three things are going to happen and i'm going to ultimately make my picks based on which one i finally decide uh i think gamine's going to sit a perfect trip and just fly right by uh serengeti empress or i think serengeti empress will run gamine into the ground and she will drop anchor real fast on the turn because maybe she's a little bit of a phony horse and she'll get exposed by Serengeti Empress uh, finally facing a horse in a western race with true speed that can really press and really make you run. I think that's possible. And I think the third scenario is they both wear each other out and it's not Bell's the one, but it's some other horse that comes up and wins. Because I'm with Jared, Bell's the one is becoming too much of a wise guy's horse. Those horses never win. Maybe you use Bell's the one defensively. But in the end, am I really going to write down on that piece of paper that I'm picking Bell's the one to win when I think she might be four to one or going to bet that horse when I think she might be four to one? Probably not. So I probably need to think of another scenario. But we even talk about it, but you also have Venetian Harbor in there who's known for either trying to go straight to the lead and take them all the way or try and you know, hound Gamine a little bit. It didn't work out for her last time, but plenty of speed here. Speaking of speed, gentlemen, the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint might just be the fastest race in the world. This is pretty much think quarter horses on turf with the way this goes. 22 total pre-entries. Two of them made this their second preference. Trainer Peter Miller has won the last three with Stormy Liberal in 27 to 2018. Last year with the Mayor Belvoir Bay. This year he's bringing both the Philly Bulletproof One and Texas Wedge. Favorites win this race just south of 40%. And Leinster right now is currently trading as the 92 favorite in this race. Jared, what do you think about this one? Yeah, honestly, this was the toughest race uh, for me as far as, you know, compiling the trends. You know, there's just a whole lot, not a lot to go off of other than the fact, like you mentioned, uh, with Peter Miller winning this three years in a row. It's it's tough. Um, you know, the, the favorites win this race at just south of 40 percent, which is nothing too dramatic. Uh, you know, and I, I think it, it takes really a really good horse to go gate to wire, but it is possible here. Got Stormy to me if 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 she runs in this race, which I mean I know that we don't we we don't know if she will for sure or not, but if Got Stormy runs, she's gonna be tough. Uh, I, I still stand by that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's almost one of those things that this is the race that you. Ha- I mean, this is what is this the 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 race the second Breeders' Cup race of the day, race five on the program. You you've got to find a way to get past this race because it's, it, it, it's honestly, I, this is probably the one, like you said, it's, it's, uh, it's a bunch of <laughs> quarter horses on the turf and what, <laughs> what's harder than handicapping that shit. So, I mean, you got, you've got to find an angle uh, here and just run with it and then hope it, hope it pans out. I don't think there's a, a necessarily a, um, a particular angle to lean on here. Just go with it. You know I mean? It's, I, I really had the hardest time, coming up with anything here magic do you have the do you still have those odds uh trading overseas right now for this race? um i can pull them up real quick if i i don't have them but i'll pull them up real quick pull them up and tell me what uh in premise uh 
what he's trading at right now. That's that's one that I I'm very interested in. Uh, and while you're doing that, I'll talk about him a little bit and why. Um, this is a horse I've been high on for a long time. He kind of fell off form, but this year he's come back and looked really good in his races. And you know should have had a stakes win at at, uh, at Saratoga and got disqualified. Came back though, won. Uh, he's won here at Keeneland before as well. Uh, I just really like him. Premise? Do you have, do you have his odds? I do. He's right now. He and Oleksandra, the mayor, are trading at six to one second choice. So six to eight to one is kind of what I had in mind as far as okay, that that might be worth a bet. I don't think you know if he's three, four to one, he still may win. But I, I don't know if that's value you really want as far as playing a win bet. But I really like him. And, you know, Magic, of course, you've talked to me about maybe a hundred times in the last couple of weeks. Bulletproof one. Like you really love Bulletproof one. Uh, Peter Miller, uh, you know, that's a horse. Peter Miller won it, has, wins this thing with long shots and favorites. So uh, that's that's probably one we're going to have to look at uh, pretty hard as well. Uh, Texas Wedge is kind of a hard knocking turf sprinter. I play a, many, many times this year. I've played them. Um, so we'll see. But kind of what Jared said. This is a little bit of a mess every year. It's really hard to handicap it every year. I'm very thankful they put it early in the card so it doesn't mess with the late sequences. Um, what were the odds on Got Stormy? Got Stormy right now is seven to one. What about Bulletproof See, One? Bulletproof One, 16 to one. Okay. See, I mean, I, I mean, if Got Stormy is anywhere near that kind of price, I mean, are you guys, how do you guys feel about her running here? Well, the, so she wasn't even uh, cross-centered anywhere else. So if she so, goes in the Breeders' Cup, it's going to be this race. So what? Do, I mean, what do you feel about her running here, though, in this race? Like, I mean, is that if she? I mean, obviously the fact that this is where they've chosen, right? Um, it's got Stormy. She's probably the classiest horse in the bunch. Hard not to I'm, pick her, right? Or how to use her, anyways? I mean, her trainer Mark Cassie, I think, is the only person on the planet who never gave up on her all year long. She didn't, had excuse for her, excuse for her, excuse for her, and then he said, "Well, let's try sprinting," and she's looked great doing it. But this is a different class of field. Um, it's oof. I don't know. I, I think the odds will dictate whether or not I use her at least close to the top. Aaron, what about you? I'll say, I'll say, I'll say a couple things about her. Uh, and about Mark Cassie, it's one of the one of the better training jobs, actually the best training job of the year, in my opinion, because this horse was done and he literally found a new thing for her to do. And she's doing it really, really well. I, I love it because I love Got Stormy. And it's like, oh, I hate when they fall off for him and they're just done and they disappear. No, nope, she's back winning again. I absolutely think it's the right spot. I think it's the only spot where she can win here at the Breeders' Cup or maybe even hit the board. I just think the mile is really, really tough. And I, I don't think she's that caliber of horse anymore. Um, but look, I, I think she's got a shot here. And the thing I really loved about her turf sprints, she can come from off the pace. So she can kind of let them go out. And I think she'll come with the run. She likes Keeneland. I, I think she's got a shot. I think Magic really hit it right on the head. What will she be bet? And Jared, I think you kind of hit on the head maybe in a negative light as far as what she'll be bet. No doubt you're going to look at those past performances and think, well, hell, she can win this race. Yeah, she's really good. I'm fearful she's going to be like four to one. And that's kind of, I don't, it, maybe maybe you guys can see the trend that I've been talking about. I don't want three to four to one on anybody. Give me six, eight, 10, 12 to one. Let's mm -hmm. make that worse. No, I'm with well, you. 
uh, we can. Uh, this is probably going to be her last start in in that race. And uh, another Mark Cassie horse uh, owned by the same gentleman, Gary Barber, is making his final start in the Breeders' Cup Big Ass Fans Dirt Mile. Talking, of course, about War of Will, the 2019 Preakness Stakes winner. This is a very interesting field. 23 total pre-entries, seven made it their second preference. You have two coming from Japan and trainer Hideyuki Mori. Uh, favorites have won two of the past 13 runnings here. Golden Sense and Liam's Map did it earlier this decade. Complexity right now is the four to one favorite overseas, but this is a very uh, diverse group. I guess you have sprinters like Vacoma who are stretching out to go two turns. Possibly you have sharp samurai who is a turfer going to go back to the dirt. Uh, Owendale, a horse that I know Aaron's loved is here. Pirates punch uh, Nashville from Steve Asmussen. If he doesn't make it in the sprint could show up here. This is a crazy, crazy, crazy race here. Uh, Aaron, the hell do you think about the dirt mile? Well, it's it's definitely one of the more competitive dirt miles we've seen in a while. And, and I think it's going to have a really big, nice field. And sometimes we don't see that with this dirt mile. You know, sometimes we'll see a little bit shorter. I, it just kind of what, in my opinion, what has happened this year, the, the classic is really good. There's a lot of really good horses. So when you take an art collector, it's kind of on the fence on which one to go. It's much easier to make the decision this year, the dirt mile. Mm -hmm. think, think back to last year's classic. I think Art Collector, if he would have been a three-year-old last year, he would be in the Classic because that race was hot garbage. It was one of the worst Breeders' Cup races. <laughs> but this year, it's the best race of the Breeders' Cup. So I think, in turn, the the, the Dirt Mile is going to get you know, a bigger field. It, there's a ton of ways to go. Uh, I, I wouldn't talk anybody off any horse in here because it's, it's just wide open. Um, I, I kind of like Rushy a little bit. I think that's a horse that's kind of flying under the radar that might be a decent price. I think complex complexity deserves to be the favorite, but I, I think you could probably try to beat him. Uh, Art collector, Bodie Express. I'm not playing Bodie Express, just kidding. But uh, Nick's go. How about Nick's go? The Nick's go. Look at, look at his two races this year. And look at his races at Keeneland and tell me he can't win. He can win. So Brad, Brad Cox, baby. I mean. Yep. yep. And, and I think you're going to have to use him a lot, almost in every race he enters. And so, yeah, another race you're going to have to go deep. We're not giving people a lot of help at this point <laughs> in terms of these Saturday Breeders' Cup races. It's hard to have a definitive opinion in these first three that we've talked about. Yeah, dude, it's uh, – I mean, you talk – you know, like last year, Omaha Beach was upset and came to the race, you know, heavy favorite. Um, Catalina Cruiser – uh still I don't, that's one of those i think I'll, i don't know if i'll ever be over that one but uh you know it, you, you favorites have not done well especially heavy favorites in recent years i mean Omaha beach seemed like almost a lock if so Catalina cruiser for that matter um and 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 this is so bad uh you know what i don't mr freeze mr freeze for me is 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 scary um he now he's gonna need to be a prize right i, I refuse it like mcpeak i don't play dale Rowlands short i just don't um but if he's a prize maybe because he you know that last race was really impressive and it was at keeneland um which i think is important i just i'm gonna look for like those middle level horses you know you know anywhere between like eight to 12 to one those horses that could definitely run and win and win here i think you know like you kind of touched on Alterman. There's so many of those, you know, Nick, Nick's go or an Owendale or Rushy, like where you're like, oh, they could win. Like how, why couldn't they win? You know, they've done, they, they've shown flashes in the past that are capable of winning this race. And, and a horse like our collector who was just awful last time out, 
I mean, I know it was Preakness, but still, uh, I think you could make a case for a lot of these in here. I'll make a case for one that you might not be thinking of, and you might think I'm a West Coast homer, but watch out for Sharp Samurai. If he ends up making it into the field here, this is a horse who was a, a very proven uh, greatest stakes winner on turf, went to the dirt for the Pacific Classic, and ran a pretty decent second behind maximum security. They put him back in the turf last time out in the City of Hope Mile, ran a very strong second to Mo Forza, who would be my pick in the Breeders' Cup Mile if he hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, so Sharp Samurai plus... Look who's riding. We know that we don't know many jockeys right now, but I read Ortiz Jr. is already confirmed to ride Sharp Samurai. This is a guy who jumped aboard Spun to Run, who a lot of people weren't talking about in last year's Dirt Mile, and he ran him off their feet, including Omaha Beach, which Jared mentioned. So you, we're all making good cases, and, and I think you nailed it on the head that you can make a case for just about any horse in here. I guess the easier question is, is, is Aaron, if there's one horse that you absolutely don't want to touch in here, who would that be? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I I really don't have one at this moment. True Timber, I guess maybe. I don't I don't know what that was. Bodie Express. This is if, until they hold the Breeders' Cup at Gulfstream Park West or the Old Calder. I say Bodie Express is a chuck on every single every single race. Yeah, I'll I'll Bodie Express. Hey, this is team. I don't think it win. Um, Midnight Sands. I don't think it win. So there's a few, but there's there's really there's not many. I'll give you a, I'll give you a hot take. Okay. Or of will. You don't want him? No, I'll toss him. No. Thank you. He's going to take money, so you'll definitely get value out of whatever horse you pick on top. I don't understand them running <laughs> him here. I don't. I don't either. <laughs> that poor horse. You mean here in of the turf mile. Every time that horse gets going on a, on a surface that he likes, they switch him to the other one. I like. I don't. I don't understand what what the hell they're doing. So yeah, I mean, he's a horse that's going to take a lot. Now listen, he could win, but he's, he's going to take a ton of money and he's going to be too low of a price for me to be interested in playing him here. When I think half the field at least has a sh better shot to win than he does. I, Aaron, did I, you agree? I can get behind the last comment for sure. Half the field <laughs> probably has a better shot than he does. I, you know, um, and well, actually, now that I think about it, I can get behind pretty much everything he said. Like he's just a weird horse. Here's the deal about this horse, though. Every time, as soon I as you doubt him, him, yep, I know he wins. I know. So I just put him in the winner's circle. I'm sure. Well, I think the the moral of the story is I think this is one you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go pretty deep in because. He's just that kind. That it would be very annoying to get knocked out of whatever sequence you're, you know, when we see the 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 betting menu, uh, to get knocked out by War of Will. That would be that would be hard to handle. So I think if you can play him, you do. Um, but I just as far as a win bet, um, I'm gonna try to beat him for sure. Yeah, I agree. We'll take a look at the Maker's Mark Philly and Mare Turf. You have 18 total pre-entries. The only second preference being Tarnawa, who's looking at going to the turf instead. This is a race where there's a pretty reliable trend. The past eight winners were either trained by either Chad Brown or someone in Europe. Chad Brown has won four of the past eight races. He has four pre-entered here, including Sister Charlie, who won this race in 2018. Her half-sister, my sister, Nat, is also pre-entered. That's 2017 Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf winner, Rushing Fall. And Nay Lady Nay, a surprise and uh, pre-entry here. Jared, your thoughts on this race? Dude, okay, I'm going to be like, this is year in and year out. This is one of my favorite Breeders' Cup races every year. It just, it's just, there's always good horses in these races, you know, up and coming or established 
uh, you know, Chad Brown turf for, you know, runners. It's always a good solid race uh, to watch, you know, as far as, you know, good performances go. And this year, I mean, look at this, like you just mentioned those Chad Browns, mean Mary is in here as well. Starship Jubilee. Who's awesome. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fun civil union um, is a, it's really turn is a fun, it's a good horse. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot in here. So, you know, I think I like rushing fall, obviously has got to be one of the classier horses running on either day. Right. Um, she has just been awesome this year, but it's like, we keep, you know, what is her distance and how, where could she be? Sister Charlie. I mean, are we going to, are we going to, are we going to toss sister Charlie? I mean, that seems insane. I mean, her stable mate, Uni finally looked more like herself last time out. Sister Charlie still hasn't, you know, but you, they've they've st- been steadfast on running her in the Breeders' Cup, and so you know you're like you you definitely don't want to be beat by her, but at the same time I, I'm having a hard time you know going with her. Uh, so you know to me I'm still on rushing fall. I, you know she's been so good, but watch out for Mean Mary. That horse I think she's pretty damn good. Aaron, Jared brings up a great point and something that's going to be debated, I think, ad nauseum until the race is actually held, is what the hell do we do with Sister Charlie? Because this is a horse that this year has not looked anything like herself. Uh, she's She just doesn't seem to have that late closing kick to get up and win like we used to see from her. And yet, Chad Brown has remained steadfast that she is going to go to the Breeders' Cup. She's going to be fine. He skipped the Diana for this race to train her up, and it worked two years ago. But what do you do with Sister Charlie? Boy, it's, it's a big problem, isn't it? Because here's what we know. She's better than Rushing Fall at her best, right? So if each horse runs their best race, Sister Charlie's going to win. And Sister Charlie's probably going to be double or even triple the price of Rushing Fall. Ooh, what a problem for a better, right? So <laughs> going to be awfully enticing. And she's also one of my favorite horses of all time, which doesn't help either. Um, but listen, she's just, she hasn't been very good, you know. Uh, that's just the easiest way to put it. You know, she's led horses beat her that just shouldn't. And, and that's the way, that's just the fact of this year. But listen, hopefully he's getting her ready for one more big shot. And if anybody can do it, it's him. Uh, I will talk about rushing fall for a little bit. Another one of my favorite horses, you know. So it's kind of like seeing your two kids going out and racing against each other when you got rushing fall and sister Charlie, two horses that we both, all three of us have enjoyed uh, for years now. Okay, so here's my worry about rushing fall. She she won the Breeders' Cup uh, Juvenile as a two-year-old, skipped it at three and skipped it at four. And the reason why they skipped it is because this race is too long for her. So what has changed now as a five-year-old where now she's going to get it? I think she can get it, but I think if there's another horse that likes it more than her and has some ability, she's going to get caught in the final yards. And I think a big key to this Breeders' Cup is finding that horse that can do that. Um, I am not going to be foolish and leave her off tickets, but I'm also not going real short here because I'm looking specifically at Euros. Who's the one that, that's going to mow them down late? Who's the one that's going to have that that run left? And when we get into that final, final furlong, rushing fall still might be going, but starting to slow a little bit. And even though that class is going to take her to the wire, is there going to be somebody that can catch her or who is that somebody? We know it's Sister Charlie, but we also know she's not informed. So is there another one that's similar to Sister Charlie that's going to be motoring late? That's the key to this race. 
I'm, I'm, yeah. I want to correct myself real quick. I, I misspoke. I said that she skipped the the Diana. She skipped the the Flower Bowl la, uh, two years ago. Uh, she went to it last year and won, and then ended up getting third in the Philly Turf. So just a quick correction on myself. Don't, there. don't you think this is a? By the way, sorry, but don't you think this no. is a race that? Like I know Tornala is is first preference is the turf, but I mean she could win this one. Uh, I feel I feel like big time. That would be the horse I would pick if she's in the race for sure, because I think she fits everything I just said. I know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Sister Charlie is, okay, so let me, I'm going to make, and listen, I'm totally with you guys when it comes to her. She's frustrating as hell, and I don't know what to do with her here, but let me make a case for her to run well on the Breeders' Cup. She's obviously been working towards this race since August. You could tell from Chad Brown he wanted to get her the hell out of Saratoga as fast as he could. Uh, as far as her not liking that track, the last time she was at Keeneland, uh, she was awesome. That was, of course, 2018. So it's been a minute. Um, <laughs> but you know, she, but you haven't seen like if so. Just so say Saratoga was like she just couldn't get a handle of that track. Um, that's all we've seen of her this year. You know, that's all we have to go off of is those two races. You know, she she. But the other factor is. The Santanita race, the Breeders' Cup. She was a little, she didn't have that punch either, you know. But if there was a horse that could run down Rushing Fall, it's her, you know, in, in, in her in her glory years. And, you know, sometimes that's what's tricky about these older mares, you know. It, they're When they're done, they're done. And they just, they don't give you that pop anymore. And so that's, that's the fear. I mean, I, I hate to keep saying it, but I feel like we're at a situation with her where, like, you just, you don't want to get beat by her, but do you really want a player to win? Especially, it'll be interesting to see how she's bet. Well, and to, to yes and you, Jared, the, the Santa Anita races that we saw, especially on the turf, a lot of the European horses and horses that like even just a little given their ground really ran flat all weekend at Santa Anita because of just how hard the turf course was and tends to be in California. So if you were looking to, and you see this is why her odds are going to be pretty enticing because you keep having to make excuses for her for this race, but if you believe them, if you believe in Chad Brown, that the guy knows what the hell he's doing, it's really hard to to not play Sister Charlie, even defensively. I mean, that that year at Keeneland, she won the last time she was at Keeneland was at the Ginny Wiley, and she just absolutely just ran down Four Star Crook easily. And Four Star Crook was good at that mm-hmm. point. You know, um, she was a very good horse right th- at that point of the of the year. Um, so. I mean, we know she's capable of, so maybe she gets on a softer track and, and gets more kind of what she's used to. And I mean, who knows? I mean, this could probably be the last, probably this is the last time we'll see her, um, you would think. So maybe that's just it. You know, they, they try to get one big race out of her. And, you know, the fact that he's running her here, I mean, Chad Brown, like, he's got like a thousand horses that he could run in any race at any given time, it feels like. And so it's like, if he's running her here, you know, she's obviously not, she's fit, just a matter of, of getting that form back. Let's take a look at one of my favorite races of the entire Breeders' Cup weekend, the Breeders' Cup sprint race. You always have some very, very, very fast horses, 17 total pre-entries, only one of them with a second preference. Among those eight, three, I'm sorry, among those 17, eight of them are three-year-olds. Uh, only two of the past 22 winners went gate to wire. Steve Asmussen has a trio of those three-year-olds that I mentioned, Nashville, Yopon, who are both front runners. Echo Town likes to come from off. Fun fact about Lasting Legacy, who's going to try and make the race here. He was claimed for $40,000 out of his last race, which was at Keeneland. 
they've had this race in mind. And if they can draw in, that would be an interesting uh, claim straight into the Breeders' Cup. Hell, if he gets the win, I think that's your story of the weekend. Aaron, I know that you love the Asmussen runners here. What do you make of it all? Yeah, I, I do like Asmussen here in the sprint. You know, of course, he won this race last year with Matoli. Uh, they, he does not have a Matoli for this race, so let's let's get that out of the way. But you know, Yopon and Nashville obviously are two horses that can win. Now, Nashville may not make the race. Uh, you and I were talking about this off Air Magic. I'll give you credit for pointing it out to me. Um, hey, he, he doesn't have uh, the earnings, and if they oversubscribe or they overdraw, which it looks like they're going to. Uh, as far as the pre-entries go, you never know what happens. But as of now, he's on the outside looking in. So that's kind of a storyline. Um, another story, well, the biggest storyline is Vacoma. And can Vacoma, you know, win off of not, not running since July 4th and then come in here and win a Breeders' Cup race? I think that's going to be the big key to the thing. And he's the best horse. So that, you know, it just is he fit. And then I, I, a horse that I just have to point it out, guys. Whitmore again in the sprint. I mean, this is the machine. He should, this is like the 20th sprint he's been in, I think, I <laughs> for the Breeders' Cup. Um, don't and count he's one, and he's one And he's one zero of them, by the way. Yeah, but, you know, he's around. He's always around. Uh, he, he's been close at times. He's been very close. So here he is again, and we'll see what he can do. But it's just glad that – or I'm just glad that we get to see him. And I guess one other thing, uh, Diamond Oops was a horse we had no idea, and we never have any idea where that horse is going to run or what surface. His first preference comes out, and it is – right here in the sprint. So it looks like Diamond Oops is pointing towards this race. I think he's got a shot, right? I think it was uh, Vinconi's, uh, uh, what is her, his, his daughter. I think she mm-hmm. she made a quote afterward, after Diamond Oops had won last time, and they were asking, you know, which which direction turf or, or dirt. She's like, well, we might just flip a coin. You know, I don't, I, you never know with him. They'll just make a decision. So, I mean, that that's a cool horse to have, right? Um, that you can just, Flip a coin. Uh, I, I'm going to mention a horse at Alterman. I figured you might mention CZ Rocket. That's your boy. I mean, you just keep picking another another trainer who just is magical, you know, with with what he what his craft, you know, has mastered his craft. And it's uh, Peter Miller, who all this horse has won since running and claiming races, and and just seemingly on the you know just can't be beat. And I would sure hate to get beat by this horse in the Breeders' Cup because he, he certainly is the kind of horse where you'd be like, son of a bitch, really? Like, that horse won again, and that would happen here. Um, you know, Vekoma, like, he's the one to beat. There's zero doubt about that. It's just, you know, the layoff issue. Like, Vekoma was unbelievably good in the Met Mile, and if he can be that good in the Met Mile, cut him back to six furlongs, and you know he's going to be tough, but what's he going to be like off the bench? Well, you know, so this is one of those that you feel like you could go thin, but at the same time, you know, I, I, the one thing I will say about this race, throw out the sprinters or throw out the speed. Like we, you mentioned on the, on the trends, that's a pretty powerful trend to me. And when you see a horse like Chancelot who still can't get it done, now granted he got ran down by Matoli, but just speed doesn't hold here for whatever reason. You know, the, I, I just don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand by that and, and try to get a horse, you know, to, to come off the pace. The, yeah. the, the simple fact that, that uh, Chancelot on a speed-favoring Santa Anita course that looked like Dubai a couple of years ago, the fact that he couldn't get it done on the front end tells me that's a very, very strong trend to, to pay attention to. Aaron? I, I was going to say, just on uh, with Lucky Pete and CZ Rocket, we've really enjoyed riding old Lucky Pete for the winner's circle during this uh, time. I mean, he's, he's just done a, a, a tremendous job. Uh, a true horse player, no question. What is it, Lucky Lucky Pete and uh, Bad Bad Luck Bob? What'd you call him? Tough Luck Bob. 
tough luck bob and and yeah, yeah those are those are like is that what you have them in, in your phone in your phone like you're yeah, when you call yeah. them talk to them yeah. Yeah. well well we're in a group uh, text actually too <laughs> like hi guys <laughs> heard it again bad luck buddy yeah yeah so tough luck bob and lucky pete and you know Another contamination man exactly yeah yeah exactly so I love those guys, though. I do. I sure do. I keep them close. To what's the uh, what's the group text chain called? Like, do you have a name for it? Oh, well, I can't say that over over the air. <laughs> there's, there's some stuff you have to leave to the imagination. Uh, and, and, and if our listeners want to. Ju- uh, is it Juice is Loose? What's that? Is it called Juice is Loose? No, but if our, like, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say. Okay. Some, okay. I can't give away. But maybe okay. if you buy the guide, I'll put it in the guide. <laughs> what it is uh but yeah you know um he, he works wonders so so we'll see what happens uh, oh hey one more real quick i think we should probably mention uh back on a serious note frank's rocket the philly first preference gonna be the sprint so we're gonna see what what looks to be anyway uh, a philly against the boys here in the sprint i think that's kind of cool yeah there's there is history of, of girls being the boys in this race but you have to go all the way back to the early 90s late 80s to see that happen because the philly and mary sprint was created to try and give a little bit more of a even playing field but bill mott has been steadfast that this is the race he was looking at despite the philly and mary sprint and you would think facing the feet straight females would be a little easier for her but for him it was the distance he likes that this is six furlongs whereas the philly and mary sprint is going to be seven furlongs uh jared are you surprised by that did do you like the move for frank's rocket what do you think yeah, I was a little surprised. I'm not gonna lie. I I, I did not expect to see her here. Um, I like her though, and that makes it tough, right? Because I I think she's really damn good. Uh, I did not expect to see her here. So yeah, that, that kind of changes how I'm gonna have to approach this race. I I do you guys think like how heavy do you think Vacoma will be bet? Like what is she or what is he uh, uh, trading at right now? Give me one second. I'll pull that up for you. You know, because he he'll be interesting. Because I mean, had he been running two more races since his, you know, the Met Mile and won both of them, let's say he he's a he's clearly one of the shorter prices of the Breeders' Cup. He yeah. is currently trading at three to one as the favorite for the sprint. See, that's that's small. tough. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> tough to do. Um, I I I feel like this is you know you talk about a year of just crazy shit show twenty twenty. It could be one of those Breeders' Cups that you just see a lot of weird results, uh, you know, like prices and whatnot. If, of course, does that make sense? But still, like opportunities to be, you know, and I, I, I can live with myself not playing Vacoma at three to one. Magic, just real quick, what are the Asmussen uh, three-year-olds trading at? If you still have it up. Yep, uh, Yopan is the set, a nine to two second choice. Nashville is eight and a half to one. Echo Town is twenty to one, and that's the horse that I'm the most intrigued about because, as we said, speed quits early. Echo Town, he uh, Steve Asmussen put him here in the Phoenix Stakes against older horses last time out, and he put Yopan against straight three year olds in the Chick Lang. They raced on the stage. I thought that that was a very interesting move for him, and I thought it kind of tipped his hand that he thought that Echo Town might have a better chance against the older horses here uh, in the Breeders' Cup sprint, though Yopan did win the, against older horses earlier in the year. But right. I thought that was a big sign. Yeah, well, no, I agree with you. I, I think, and you, again, I'll give you credit. You pointed out before about the running style, and Echo Town does have that running style that uh, Jared has talked about with the trends. And, and listen, when you have that much data, it, it really becomes a legit trend. It's not two or three times. It's time after time that that's how it happens. So, 
All right, let's move on to the Breeders' Cup Turf Mile, also known as just the Breeders' Cup Mile. This is the FanDuel Mile presented by the PDJF. 18 total pre-entries. Two of them made this their second preference. You have seven Europeans pre-entered, including Circus Maximus from Aiden O'Brien. He also has Lope E. Fernandez and Order of Australia set to come over here. But it might not be worth it for him because seven of the last nine winners were all American-based, including... The 2019 champ, Uni, who finally seemed to return to form last time out, repeats in the first lady stakes. The winner of this race has actually repeated five times. So if you're looking for a trend of repeat winners doing well, this is a good race for you. Wise Dan did it. Goldakova actually won this race three times. Uh, Lura and Miesk also repeated back-to-back years. Jared, I'll go back to you. What are your thoughts on this field? Yeah, you know what? You know, We are talking about Sister Charlie earlier and her stablemate, Uni. A little bit different thought but still the same she was not good all year and then she finally got back a little bit to her form and so it's like now it's a, to a different regard but you're still sitting here thinking do you trust her do you is she back back or was that just a you know was that just a weird performance or maybe uh, that was her big last performance i you know i think you know like you said a lot of repeat winners and of course wise dan did it in 2012 and 2013 i mean she likes Keeneland. She obviously, uh, she showed that. And, and I think that's the way she ran last time out. I mean, she's, she's going to deserve to be, uh, the one to beat here. And I think she will be awful tough. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of lean on Chad Brown in this race, to be honest with you. I, I you know, digital age is a horse that we got kind of tipped on last time out as far as being like, this was the whole plan. And, you know, it did not look great last time, it, but here they, they are running them here. So, I think you got to take that into account. Um, will be a price, no doubt. Uh, you know, and then uh, Chad Brown's got Raging Bull. I mean, so to me, at, at a mile, like I'm playing a Chad Brown, I think, here. I'm with you. Chad Brown, Brad Cox, and maybe a Euro after I after I really study those. That's kind of that's where I'm leaning as well. Um, I, I think factor this, cutting back to a mile, I, I don't love that, but he's still a really, really consistent horse. And uh, Bo Recall has proven that, that, that she can beat really nice horses as well. So she's going to be in the mix. But look, I mean, how about Uni last time out? You know, we, we talked about her and Sister Charlie kind of in the same light, uh, you know, towards, the, well, in the summer, basically. And then Uni comes and says, no, no, I can still win. And I can still win over this course that we're running at today. And by the way, I am the 2019 champion. So I'm kind of a bad bitch, and you're going to have to beat me. I <laughs> freaking love Uni, so... I think that's exciting, but listen, um, she likes Keeneland and that's, that's a huge factor uh, going into this race. I think. Yep. I, I really think her and digital age are the two I, I, I like raging bull. I just, he's just too disappointing too many times. And my long shot is he's my guy. I love to hate him. March to the arch, man. I, <laughs> always, always on that horse. So that's, that's what I'm looking at as well. And I'm also obviously looking forward to uh, going over these European horses as well. I'm surprised neither of you mentioned uh, Ivar, who was a horse going into the Shadwell Turf Mile Stakes that I made a note and even said on the Magic Mike show, I said, all right, this horse, I don't think he wins here, but I'm going to see how he does because I think next time out he could run a real big race. I was one race late, (laughs) one race uh, uh, behind on that one because he wins the Shadwell Turf Mile with a big effort and it came over this course in distance. So I think that that is something to play into him. But listening to you guys, it sounds like a lot of people are looking at Chad Brown maybe some other Europeans, maybe Brad Cox. So if I can get another nice price on Ivar, boy, you, you bet I'm going to take it. Bring him on. Bring him on. <laughs> well, he didn't beat anybody that you guys have talked about, so you, we at least have that going for it. Uh, we'll, 
<laughs> we'll look at the the Longines distaff. Eleven total pre entries here. The only second preference is Harvey's little Goyle is going to try and make it into the Philly Mare turf. Swiss Skydiver has this as her per first preference, not the classic. That's the big headlining thing here. Uh, Kenny McPeak seemingly wanting to take on Monomoy Girl instead of Tis the Law. And I'm telling you, man, he just keeps ducking Tis the Law every chance he gets. Uh, Jared, what, did, what were your first thoughts when you saw that Swiss Skydiver was going to be here for her first preference and not the classic? Absolutely. Just the most dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life, I think. I mean, it, it, it's so stupid. What, what do you get by going to this race over the classic? I mean, to me, she's an automatic play against. No doubt. I'm playing against her. Monomoy Girl is going to win this race. I think it's easy. I mean, why are you running her here? There's nothing to gain winning this race. <laughs> Aaron, do you share his opinion on that? I do, but I don't think I'm as upset about it. <laughs> There's a, I was surprised. It just, I want to see greatness. To I want to see greatness. And and I want to see a horse like that's got an opportunity for greatness. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, she has the opportunity to be horse of the year. And, and to be one of the better three-year-old fillies, not, not in recent history, ever by winning the Classic. And they're just like, no, we're going to run the distaff. And I just don't get it. I mean, yeah, I get, again, and I, don't, I don't own the horse. I mean, winning a $2 million race, a grade one Breeders' Cup race, I mean, it's not like it'd be awful. But I think I would rather try against uh, in the Classic. And to me, like kind of like Magic kind of joked about, but has some kind of uh, validation, I guess. I mean, but, you know, we talked with John about it too, and he kind of thought they would lean towards the, the classic because they obviously have not been afraid to go against the boys twice this year. Um, so I kind of, that's why I was kind of leaning on that. But, hey, I mean, I don't know. I think uh, it's going to help my the price on Monomoy Girl. So I think that in itself is good. I'll say this about Swiss Skydiver. They've interheard, in, like, her last, like, six races say i haven't agreed with what they vinegar you know i just i never can predict where they're gonna go i, I never really agree where they're gonna go it's been working out fine for them so I'll, I'll just go with them you know but i'm with jared i wanted to see it too i mean i we, we both been pretty vocal about it so uh if she's not there and we move on i i, I do agree also with jared that uh the price is gonna be better for monomoy girl and it just makes it a little bit better race because the rest of these horses, I do not like at all. <laughs> like, CC can go to hell. Uh, Dunbar Road looked bad last time out. Harvest Moon coming on. Maybe it, maybe a long shot play there. Horologist does not seem like a Breeders' Cup type. Lady Kate, give me a break. I mean, always, always can't. If Magic and Always Candy race, I'm not sure Always Candy would win the race. I mean, it might be close. Point of Honor is a horse I've been waiting on for years. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So I just ran them down, and then and Valiance, who's coming on at least. But I, you, I just feel like it's going to be a low price. Yeah, but, but when you list those horses, and then you say Swiss Skydiver and Monomoy Girl, it seems like they're going to be five links better than the rest of them. So take your pick there. But I mean, look at like the last thirteen years. I mean, the average winner has been around four to one. Zenyatta, Royal Delta, a couple times. Beholder, Untabable, Monomoy Girl. I mean, it just kind of feels like Swiss Skydiver or a Monomoy Girl again is what fits there. And and another and past that, I, I I try to beating her. I mean, if you're going to try to beat them, I think these these horses in here are just gonna be like it's gonna be have to be. I, I guess if you're gonna try to beat her, it's it's what like Dunbar Road or something. I mean, like, to me, that's the only horse that I could 
maybe try to beat him with. But uh, yeah, I, to me, it's I'm I might I might single him on my girl. <laughs> yeah. Do we know who's going to ride Swiss Cat ever yet? Has there been any indication of, of who that might be? It sounds like Kenny's going to stick with Robbie Alvarado. Kenny okay. sounds like a guy who loves loyalty and he got loyalty from Robbie Alvarado and Robbie listened to everything Kenny told him. So I would assume that that's who he sticks with here. Yeah, I, I would agree that that's probably going to be, and he, and he deserves it for sure. He won, he won the Preakness honor. I mean, so he definitely deserves to stay aboard. And, and if we know anything, we know if jockeys listen to you one time, doesn't mean they're going to listen to you twice. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, don't uh, don't get him started again. Yeah, but the old veteran who did another Breeders' Cup win here uh, was Swiss Guy Diver. I think she's got – I'm not as heavy on Monomoy Girl as Jared. I'm obviously going to play her, but I think Swiss Guy Diver can beat her. I don't think it's impossible. So – and I'm not saying that you do think it's impossible, Jared. Uh, but, but I you know, I think I think it's 60% Monomoy, 40% Swiss Guy Diver. Too low. <laughs> We'll we'll take a look at the Breeders' Cup Longines turf. Two races left to go here. And boy, if you want to play the Europeans, man, this is the race where you come running. They've won nine of the last 12. And of the 11 total pre-entries that we have, five of them are coming over from Europe, including two from Aiden O'Brien. And I think the big thing that everyone's going to really love is that Magical is coming over. It seemed like a big question mark up until just a couple of days ago, whether or not she would be making the trip over but she's going to have to deal with another very talented filly in Tarnawa, who is making this as her per- first preference. John Gosden, who's the famous trainer of Enable and several other amazing Hall of Fame horses. He's bringing Lord North over here to see if he can win his second Breeders' Cup in the last three years. As far as the Americans go, it's not looking great. You've got United, who was second to uh, Bricks and Mortar last year. But beyond that, uh, do you want to trust Arklo or Channel Maker or Red King? I'm really not sure what you want to do with this race. I know that Mike Maker had three horses that he was expected to send here, and he's been scared off and is not bringing any of them anymore. Aaron, your first thoughts on the turf? Well, we only have nine horses that this is the first preference for, which is staggering. Usually this is a full-ass field. Uh, Only nine, and I think it does just speak to the weakness that we've had all year in the United States with turf horses. They just haven't been very good. You know, they just haven't. Um, and our best, well, most consistent one has kind of been Zulu Alpha, and he's not here. And that's one of the maker horses that you were referring to. So, you know, Arklo, no, not really Channel Maker. I mean, I, I don't really want to play Channel Maker. Uh, Red King, no. United is interesting to me. I think that's our one hope. If the race was in Southern California, I'd feel even better about it. Um, you know, one of one of the truly, and I'm being honest in this point, good, solid, noble trainers <laughs> in the game <laughs> right now. Uh, you know, we need more of those type of guys uh, with United there. So, um, yeah, th- but I- I'm going European. I haven't decided yet uh, where. Uh, you know, for the for the final decision, uh, there's a there's there's a lot of good ones here. So for Europeans, anyway. Jared, it sounds like Aaron just wants to take the five that are pre-entered, box them up, call them home, and move on. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that's it's not maybe not that simple, but it's pretty simple. Like it's listen, I mean we kind of talked a little bit about this on past shows, and it was like okay, obviously Euros dominate this race, but do we have and and Halterman touched on this earlier. It's like do we have the same standard of Euros that we're coming over, but. We also don't have any standard of, of Americans that are in this race. So all of a sudden, even if the euros are a little bit lower, you still have a, a, a 
kind of an overcast as far as the, the talent goes on the on the Euro side. Magical and Lord North, uh, maybe Tarnawa. Um, I don't love her in this spot over the Philly Mare, but still. Um, but Magical coming over is a, a pretty good indication when they made that last-minute decision to, to run her here. Now, I will say this. She's just one of those that likes to hang. She likes to get second um, no matter where. So that, that makes it a little dicey, but surely, right? Surely she can she can come and win here. But, I, I mean... To me, Lord North, Magical, Tornado. I mean, I might just play those three, honestly, um, and box those up in this race. Feels a little like a Royal Ascot race in the United States, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if I, I mean, I, I guess maybe if you want to, if you want to put an American in there, put like, like United seems too too easy as far as a horse that I like. You know, maybe it's Channelmaker because Channelmaker will piss you off and beat and beat you. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I went, but mine is Arclo because I think Arclo mm-hmm. is mad. You know, so it's like pick three euros and then throw Arclo, and you're thinking, <laughs> pick three euros and throw Channel Maker. I think that strategy is fine because I think you're right. United does seem like okay, that's pretty obvious. So, and even if United gets in there with some of these euros, this this isn't going to pay much, especially in a nine horse field. Uh, that's what we're what that's and again we say nine horses. That's not official, but that's what we're expecting. So yeah, no, I, right. I, and, and imagine playing. Let's say, let's say you play the the late pick four, which is the 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 mile, the distaff, the turf, the classic. So the mile we talked about, obviously, like you can maybe go thin there with Uni and maybe a one or two others. So maybe you go three deep there. The distaff, I mean, you might single Monomoy. At worst, you you play the two, uh, and then you get to the turf, and then we know the classic, which we'll talk about next. We're at least five horses that you'll want to play in the classic and so there's got to be a point to where i think you can go thin 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 deep in the classic yep i I think i think you can go something like three by two by five by five and then then maybe you get lucky and arclo wins somehow you know in this race and it's like holy shit he won i can't believe it i'm alive to this shit you know now so uh yeah but yeah it's definitely got a chance to chalk out, though, if, if we don't get a price here. And there's really no logical reason to say we're going to get a price. But, hey, if you play Brad Cox All-Breeders' Cup and then you get to the last race he has one in it and he beats you, you're probably going to be mad. I was just going to bring that up. We, uh, we we couldn't laud Brad Cox at the top and not talk about him at least throwing Arclo in here. With the seems that adding the blinkers at least woke him up for one race there. Final race, the big one, the one everyone really cares about, the $6 million Breeders' Cup Longines Classic. And you touched on this earlier, that last year's edition, not that great. But the, I am so excited for specifically this race. 11 total pre-entries, Swiss Skydiver has as a second preference. But even if 10 of these horses run here, this is a great-looking field. Favorites have only won this race, two of the past 10. The average win price, Jared, you know this, it's close to 5-1. to one. Let's look at the overseas favorites right now. Improbable is four to one. Tis the Laws nine to two. Maximum Security is five to one. Authentic is six to one. So all those horses are right there around that five to one benchmark. Obviously, something's going to have to give here. But uh, one other interesting fact, and I love this, Jared, and I'll throw it to you. Five of the past 10 winners of the Longines Classic lost their final prep before the Classic. We even saw that last year with Vino Rosso, who was disqualified and placed second. So uh, what do you end up thinking about this race, Jared? Yeah, dude, it's that was, you know, this is typically just like the, the, this staff class wins this race. It, it happens all the time. You know, it's just a too good of a race and too good of horses running in these races. 
Um, but that, so you had to look for, you have to look for angles. And, and that five of the last 10 is very interesting to me. When you look at the like of blame and the American Pharaoh losing their, their races coming into, uh, into the classic. And that includes authentic and maximum security and tis the law and Tom's Dieta all running in their last lot, losing in their last races, which by the way, all legit contenders here, you know? And so, you know, and you also have to, you know, we talked a lot about this, uh, you know, in previous shows. I mean, authentic, um, improbable, maximum security. So with Scott Iver, screw her, she's out. Uh, Tis the law and Tom's Diatal, five horses that have horse of the year in line. Now, I guess if one of those were to get beat here, say global campaign or something wins this race and Swiss guy ever wins the distaff. And then she's still in the, in the, in the ball game at, 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 for, for, uh, for horse of the year. But like John talked about last week, when they, when you duck the best spot, sometimes that comes back to, to haunt you. So um, we'll see, but yeah, as far as this race goes, I'm looking at that. I mean, I think maximum security here, I think, I mean, whoever I can get like at that five to six, seven to one range out of, out of, Maximum security out of Tom's Diatal, out of Tis the Law. Um, those are the ones I'm looking to play here. Well, and for me, it's all about higher power and Tacitus, right? I mean, these are the two horses you got to look at. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I was like, um, where, where are you going with this? Yeah, so, okay. So, Tough Luck Mob's got three in here, which which automatically makes it a tough, uh, a tough situation. And it's really tricky because – what kind of maximum security are we going to get? I think that's where it starts with. Because Jared, and you said it best, and I think maybe Magic, you said it too, class wins this race. Well, maximum security is the most classy horse in the race. I don't think that's debatable. What's debatable is what kind of form does he have? He was waxed at Santa Anita, and his two races on, uh, at Del Mar under Tough Luck Bob weren't great. They were wins, but they were also against bad horses. Um, I'm, I'm not alone to discount win. at the same time. He needed to, you know, prove he could beat a decent horse and a stable made and probable kicked his ass last time. So, but here's where that gets tricky. He's supposedly, I mean, these California media people, I mean, I think one of them fainted the other day after the <laughs> that workout. I don't know. Uh, they, they've just blown up Twitter with how good this horse looks and he certainly does. So he's a, He's a problem. Uh, improbable is always a problem, no matter where he's at, because who knows what he's going to do. He's had an incredible 2020. And uh, then you got Authentic, who just is another problem. So that's what Bob's a problem. And then he's got three horses that are a problem. So it really makes the race kind of a mess. For me, you know what? I, I, I am looking at Tis the Law pretty heavily here. I, I really believe this is a horse. He reminds me an awful, awful lot of American Pharaoh coming into this race in 2015, which, by the way, was also at Keeneland. You know, American Pharaoh, of course, wins the Triple Crown, goes and wins the Haskell, gets beat in the Travers, and that was a, a shock. There's no question. Uh, a bigger shock even than Tis the Law, but still a shock. Tis the Law was pretty shocking, especially when he gets head-to-head -head with Tough Luck Bob's horse. He can't get by. That was tough. But uh, but with, uh, with Tis the Law, same thing. They didn't. They decided after that loss, we're training up to the race. Same way with American Pharaoh. They trained up to the race. I think Tis the Law is going to run that Travers-like race where he won and we all gushed for days and days about him. And if he gets back to that race, I don't think they can beat him. I don't know if there's enough juice in the world that can beat him. Uncle Chuck couldn't do it. We know that. 
So I think Tis the Law is going to be awfully tough in here if he gets back that race. And the wild card is Tom's and Tom. I mean, I, you know, I think we all at some point this year have said, wow, that is one damn good racehorse. And then he went to his nose in the, in the Whitney and we haven't seen him since. And I hate that, but you know, I, I heard an interview with Al Stahl. He said, Hey, this horse, we, we had a prep in mind, but the schedule just got thrown off because of COVID. They moved the Fayette from four weeks or from five weeks to four weeks. And he's an older horse. We didn't want to do that. So we just trained up and he's doing great. So I, I trust the Cajun Al Stahl. You know, he won this race with Blame back in 2010. Beat a pretty nice horse named Zenyatta. So I think Tom Zata, uh, while he's up against it in his very tough race, he's not facing Zenyatta here. So uh, we'll see. I think I think he's got a good shot. But those are the two I'm leaning towards at this moment. Boy, making so, the morning line for this race is going to be insanely <laughs> tough. Yeah. The, uh, I had a couple trends for you that uh, that aren't in the 14 trends just because, you know, we can't do 10 trends for each race. Uh, 12 of the 27 race winners were three-year-olds, including all three times that Bob Baffert won this in 2014 with Bayern, 2015 with American Pharaoh, 2016 with Arrowgate. So if you're looking for a trend that might help you out in this race, I think that points to Tis the Law, which you mentioned. It points to your Kentucky Derby winner, Authentic, if he gets the same kind of trip. And if, if Tis the Law maybe doesn't like the dirt at Keeneland, like he seems to hate the Churchill Downs dirt, that's a way to go as well. But this is a race where you want to look for value. And right around that 5, 6, 8 to 1 spot, which Tom Zaytad is trading at about 8 to 1 right now, uh, that seems to be this sweet spot here where it'll make you feel like you've got some value because of the odds and yet still be a logical horse. Were there any horses here that that are are pure just chucks? I know you guys don't like higher power. Uh, I know Tacitus has burned way too many people's money. Uh, any other horses that you're thinking about? Just as soon as you see it, just say nope, not playing you. I mean, if you if I mean I, maybe by my standards jumps into that the group we just talked about as far as if I'm if I'm going, you know, five six deep here, but past that, I I mean. I'll let global campaign. I'll let higher power. I'll let Tacitus title ready. <laughs> they can all beat me in this race. You know, I, I think you stick with those top tier horses. Cause that, you know, cause that's, you know, when I look at maximum security, I really want to play maximum security. Cause I think you're gonna get a price, but then you start to think it's like, man, not only is he not typically faced horses like this, he's facing a bunch of horses in this race that he doesn't usually have to face. And you know, we saw him probably just smoke them. I, I just, I think this race is way too deep to go past any of these top tier horses. I think, I think you're right. And I, I think a big thing about this race that is kind of a mystery is the pace because authentic and maximum security probably are going to be out there, but like, they're not going to go head to head, right? Like, like the Baffert horses did in the Preakness or will they? And then what happens then? I think the lead is just going to be kind of odd and I think the pace will be odd. And I, that's why I want that horse. That's kind of going to sit uh, not too far behind, but off of them. And I think tis the law sits a good trip. As far as horses to throw out uh, by my standards is one I hate to throw out, but I think I just kind of think he's not quite good enough, but I have a ton of respect for him. Uh, Global campaign, same, same boat, same boat, higher power. I hate, I, I can't believe they're bringing him over here. I just like, that is a waste of money. Um, improbable. I wouldn't throw out, obviously. Tassas, throw him out. I don't care. To, I, I mean, come on. Title ready, throw him out. The rest of them, I can see winning. I really hope Tis the Law is like right around 
I mean, what do you four or five to one? Five to one? You think five to one's fair? Tislaw? Yeah. I, I, to me, I'm in a really good spot because I, I like him to win, and I think he's going to get get that price, like you just said, Jared. And Tom Zatala, I think, is the best horse ta- talent-wise in the race. I think he might be like eight to one, 10 to one, 12 to one. I mean, what is he right now, Magic? Do you have any idea as far as overseas? Yeah, he's eight to one. It seems like the the Bafferts are three of the four favorites along with Tiz Law. And, and I've said this on the Magic Mike show. I think Tom Zeta is going to keep being forgotten about or people are going to look at the form and see that big third where he was way behind improbable. Forget the fact that he went to his nose, as you said. And I think if you're looking for pure value, I think you're going to yep. get a lot of it with Tom. I mean, when it comes to price standpoint, I'd rather play Tom over Authentic. I'd rather play Tom over Improbable. I'd rather play Tom over Maximum Security. Tizalaw is the only other one that, as far as value goes, that I would debate between Tizalaw and Tom Ziatov when it comes to value. Because when you're talking about value, we talked about this last week with with John. I mean, but Tom Ziatov is the he will be the definition of value if he's twelve to one in this race. Yeah, well, there's no question about it. And let's hope Tough Luck Bob takes a lot of money and, t- and Tom gets up there and, and can shock the world with a little 12 to 1. That would be great right now. Uh, the best, the best, best situation that any of us can sit in on, on Brewers Cup Saturday is to be in this race, you know, coming into this race with, say, a pick five live with all the horses we're mentioning. Because oh. if you if you get here with those horses – um, with the thought of Tom Ziatot winning at 10 to 1, say, or whatever, Tizlaw winning at 5 to 1, or whatever it is, I mean, you can't ask for a better situation. That's the dream. That's the dream. I, I, who, okay, so like, I know it's this is a pre entry show, so we're not going like, to give picks, but who's like, I'll just ask who's a horse of the year, and that'll kind of give me an idea of who's going to win this race. Who's your horse of the year, you think? Who's going to be horse of the year? Who's going to end up being horse of the year? Not yeah. right now, but after the Breeders' Cup, you mean? Yeah. Uh, tis the law. Magic. Ooh, I'll go with Tis the law, too. Jerry. Certainly feels like Tis the law deserves it. You know, like it's just been a great year for him. He turns the tables. I think you can make the case like he got beat by Tough Luck Bob, authentic. Um, who got he yo know, cheated him in the in the derby and uh so yeah it feels like that but i definitely wouldn't it be amazing to see tom zeta win this race and after him being like absent all year he somehow were to sneak in and win horse of the year after <laughs> missing like half of it that would be amazing and here's the other thing that's amazing we're sitting here we're going yeah it looks like tis law's got a shot to be horse of the year if he loses, and I mean loses as far as authentic finishes ahead of him in this race, I know, right? Not yeah. even three-year-old of the year, and that yep. is just amazing to think that not only can it happen, it's I mean it's fifty-fifty based on what we've seen, you know. Well, that and that's another thing that you know you have to think about is there's two, there's multiple races in here going on, you know. Even if authentic and tis the law, neither one of them win this race, there's still whoever finishes ahead of each other, basically. It's going to try to lock up three-year-old of the year, you know? Yep. And so you better believe they're like instructing their jockeys. Like, I, even if we're not going to win, you run his ass. Like we're, you beat, you beat authentic. If you're Tiz law, you're like, you, you beat that horse. Like you, and you know, they want to beat that horse bad here. I, I legitimately know I've heard from <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <authentic, so. laughs> 
Oh, that's but that listen, that's what makes the classic fun in years like this and why last year it sucked because nothing was on the line. And that happens sometimes with the classic. But this year is one of the better ones we've had because everything is on the line. Um, it doesn't get any better or bigger than this race. You get the best horses all year. You got three-year-old on the line and, and, and horse of the year on the line. And that's the two biggest awards we have in this sport. So, yeah, it's going to well, – I guess older male is also on the line, obviously. So it's uh, it's going to be fun, guys. And, and yeah, I mean, let's just hope higher power doesn't win it because that would ruin – the whole year <laughs> that would that would just be the, the the big cherry on top of the covid 2020 sunday for horse racing just put higher power in the, the winner's yeah. circle <laughs> well gentlemen i want to thank you for for taking your time out to to go over the pre-entries give our instant reactions it, we still have nine days left until the breeders cup world championships hell we still have the draw to go through and guess what we'll be back with our reaction to that one again uh make sure you go to racingnews.com the inside track wagering guide to the Breeders' Cup is available for pre-sale. You can go pick up that 14 trends you need to know for the Breeders' Cup available now for free. So go download that. Check out all of Jared's hard work. For Aaron Halterman and Jared Welch, you can follow them on Twitter at Racing underscore Dudes. I am Curtis Kellerward. You can follow me at Curtis Kellerward. Gentlemen, this has been fun. We'll do this again in a few days, huh? Yep. I think we found our new host to Blinkers Off. That's right. Yeah. You did a great job, Magic. He yeah, for people that don't know, Magic last hosted this show on uh, Florida Derby Day when Maximum Security won. And he hosted it out of necessity, not so much he wanted to. So uh, it was nice that he wanted to do it for the first time, but he did a good job. <laughs> the plan was for, as a normal, you know, me normally, as I normally do, host it with Magic being on. And then he kind of talked to us and he's like, I'm going to need to host this. Yeah. It's easier to, to produce things on the back end if you're if you're hosting, and then I can let the two experts that people actually want to hear talk. I can let you guys do your thing and handle all the BS on the side. Well, Jonathan, I think that's you, why you hired me. You found yeah. your perfect job. Yeah, yeah, that's why we hired you. Exactly. <laughs> perfect. Well, good luck to everybody who's watching. We'll see you again for the reactions once the draws come out. Until then, good luck. We'll see you at RacingNews.com. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. This year, the Breeders' Cup was the best one yet. Well, except for Dan, it's one he'd like to forget. But for the rest of us racing dudes, the trip was insane. Let me start at the top when I hopped off the plane. Our Airbnb scared me, cause in all its reviews, it said nothing about a loft upstairs for the Jews. But did I run off? No, I stayed and got to spend my nights with the best crew in racing. Here's our craziest highlights. Magic proof without sleep, why he's the recap beast. Jared learned to eat with Dan, takes two hours at least. There was the time when the blood horse tried to assault me the moment where we almost all saw little halty then of course came the incident that shook up our world when Eric threatened to put his dick on monomoy girl that got his fan back to our carpal sat up front which was key he kept the guard from pressing charges so that next year we'd be at the breeders cup on site with all of the dudes at the breeders cup watching dan the fan man lose at the breeders cup name another team that can conquer our money might be long but we all know it's longer Money long, but my dick longer.